Hello friends, my name is Brenna. And I'm Danny, and, and this, this is Lago Stories. Today's episode contains graphic information that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener's discretion is advised. Welcome back, Lagos friends. Today's episode is going to be an interesting one because although it's a crime, it's not the quote-unquote normal type of crime we usually discuss, and some would even argue that the crime shouldn't even be considered a crime. Ooh, I'm interested to hear this one. Yes. Oh, and before we begin, if y'all haven't already got your Halloween stickers for this year, don't forget to order now before they're gone. You can find the link below as well as on our Instagram and Facebook. Okay, Danny. I know this crime, not a crime thing, was a bit cryptic, so are you ready? I am. I'm interested to see just because of some of the cases that are considered a crime that shouldn't be, and vice versa, what you have in store for us. Yes. Okay. Let's get into it. Today, I'm going to tell you about the voodoo mortician, and I know we've covered a few cases now that involved religious fanatics turned murder, crazy cult leader, but we haven't discussed voodoo at all. And Danny, what do you know about voodoo? Well, I know we went to the Voodoo Museum in NOLA and we both got our little voodoo dolls that I hang up every Halloween season. Um, But outside of kind of just the basics of it's a religious belief that kind of turned more cryptic and dark because of stories that people were telling, not the actual practices of what was going on. I'm not really too familiar with it. Yeah, so definitely has a bad rap. And I personally don't remember a lot of the specifics either while we were visiting the museum. But in my little research on the religion as a whole, it makes sense as to why. Because voodoo is a complex religion in that one temple can practice different traditions than its neighboring one. And I do want to give you the basics on the beliefs and practices of voodoo because I do feel it's important to have the basic knowledge for this case. Sort of a brief voodoo 101, if you will. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Voodoo is often misunderstood as the name can sometimes make people think of dark magic, necromancy, and human and animal sacrifice, but the religion itself isn't evil at all. Voodoo originated in Haiti, and some believe the African roots began close to 6,000 years ago, which, if true, would make voodoo one of the oldest ancestral traditions. Voodoo is a monotheistic religion, meaning they recognize one single god or spiritual entity rather than multiple. In the United States, voodoo is popular in New Orleans, even today, hence the Voodoo Museum there. Voodoo was brought to the States from Africa when Africans were enslaved, and the voodoo practices merged with their slave owner's religion of Catholicism. And I do remember, at least from what we did learn about, a lot of the traditions in New Orleans and why it's so popular there was just due to the it being brought over from the slaves and that tradition just continued to practice on and on and that's why it's such a big religion and has a lot of popularity there yeah absolutely and according to neworleans.com quote the core belief of new orleans voodoo is that one god does not interfere in daily lives but that spirits do connection with these spirits can be obtained through various rituals such as dance music chanting and snakes end quote Oh, and just a reminder that this case does not speak on behalf of the religion itself. Just like we know that if you have a mental illness, it does, you're going to become a mass murderer, but just wanted to add that reminder. Okay, and with that bit of background, let me tell you about the infamous voodoo mortician. The year is 1997 in Brad Ditton, Florida. 
A city worker saw something strange looking floating near the shore and knew it was something out of place. Upon closer inspection, they find a hand floating in the water. They also notice nearby some decorative stones and two clay pots. Police began investigating and sent the lone hand to the local medical examiner who noted that the hand most likely belonged to a male and this was the man's left hand. A huge clue was that the cut was clean and precise, which indicated that the hand was cut off purposely by someone with medical experience. Next step was to fingerprint this hand in hopes of finding the identity of the man. Unfortunately, the hand was so waterlogged it could not be fingerprinted. Well, at least fingerprinted in a normal routine type of way. The Emmy had to cut off the fingertips and remove the skin from the flesh and bone. They then stretched the fingertip skins over their own gloved hand to take the prints, but the unusual method worked. AFIS, or Automated Fingerprint Identification System, found a match within minutes of entering the prints into the system. The hand belongs to Willie Settle, who was a 70-year-old man that had passed away from natural causes a few months earlier, and when he passed, he had both hands. That is really interesting, the way they took the fingertips. Besides kind of yeah. disturbing details, that's really good thinking on how to identify this man. And now I'm interested on what's happening with why are these hands floating out there when he passed away by natural causes with both of his hands. Yes, so lots of questions, right? Police had already sent divers to the alligator-filled Manatee River to look for the rest of Willie's remains, but after days of no luck, the search was called off. Police visited the grave, but strangely, the grave site had not been disturbed whatsoever. Police were racking their heads thinking that if a deceased person's hand and just their hand was found floating in the river, but he had both hands when he died, where did the hand come from? Needing to find answers, police exhumed Willie's grave and what they find shocks them. Willie's grave was pretty easy to exhume because it was a shallow grave. We all hear about six feet under, which is the customary amount of depth for a grave, but Willie's was way less than six feet. Willie was also buried in a flimsy wooden box rather than a casket. Because of this, the wooden box was almost rotted away when police got to it. Another red flag was that Willie's body was still in the body bag that he was originally transported in after his death. And on top of all of this, police find a biohazard bag filled with his organs placed at his feet. Now, it is standard practice that this bag be kept with the deceased in their grave. However, morticians usually will place this bag inside of the chest cavity of the deceased, not just out in the open by their feet. Oh yeah, what about the hand, you ask? Willie's left hand was, of course, missing from his grave. His left wrist had been wrapped with a plastic bag and sealed with duct tape. I did not know that the biohazard bag was kept with the deceased. I mean, it obviously makes sense, especially with not knowing religious practices and things like that. Some people have to be buried as they came to death. Um, So it makes sense, but that's really interesting. I never knew that. Yeah, I figured that I had heard somewhere that they put the organs back like in the chest cavity but I didn't think they would like put it in a biohazard bag you would think like yeah why bury plastic I don't know but yeah now the Emmy was already confused by all of the strange things found or wasn't found in Willie's grave so they decided to also x-ray the body as well and you guessed it more questions and way more red flags the x-ray showed several pins buried deep within Willie's torso legs and arms Now, medical examiners and morticians will sometimes use pins to stabilize the bones, but these weren't medical pins inside of Willie. These were closer to sewing-type pins, and they weren't even near the bone anyways. 
The ME, now needing more answers, decided to conduct another autopsy on the remains. When they cut open his body, though, you guessed it, more weirdness. Inside Willie's abdomen were more than a dozen cloth dolls. Each one had a handwritten note attached to it and were sewn roughly together. Most of the ink had been destroyed by the decomposition and being underground, but some of the notes were still legible. Any guesses as to what the note said, Danny? I'm sure it was names with things that were going to happen to these people or things like that. Uh, this is all screaming of what started voodoo being a dark religion um, of these behave these odd behaviors. Yes, exactly. The handwritten notes contained elaborate curses aimed at different people within the community. The next stop police visited was the obvious choice, the mortuary. The funeral home was Green Funeral Home, which was a small family business that had been open for generations, now ran by Paula Green Albritton. They were sent Willie's remains for embalming and burial after Willie left the Emmy's office shortly after his death. Police bring Paula in for questioning, and she immediately tells police she has no idea how such a thing would happen to Willie's remains, and she had no involvement. Police were skeptical, though, as they knew it wasn't the original Emmy, it wasn't a grave robber, nor the work of wild animals digging up the grave, so it had to have been Paula herself or one of her staff members. After more questioning, Paula gave in and told police that everything was done as a religious voodoo ritual. The hand was a, quote, helping hand ritual to not only protect her business, but to also allow Willie peace as his spirit had nowhere else to go. This helping hand ritual was held near the water, and once the recited verses were read, Paula placed his hand in a bag with the two clay pots and stones and placed the bag underwater. The curses she admitted were against her ex-husband as well as competing funeral home directors. So, since she ended up admitting this, regardless, just because of all the evidence adding up, I'm not sure why she didn't just go forth and say this if it was out of religious practice, but also, why pick a random person that you don't know? I mean, unless it's like site for opportunity, that doesn't fall in line with how those things typically work. Again, this is how voodoo became a quote-unquote dark religion because people would pervert Misuse these practices. It. Yeah, absolutely. And they don't go into it, but it's a good thing that you brought it up of like, why would you pick this random person? It makes me think that he probably wasn't the only one. Exactly. So this was kind of like a routine for them. Well, it sounds like it was a job of opportunity to... Mm -hmm be able to do these practices that you either made up or someone told you about. So it's like, where can I get access to bodies to do these practices to curse these people and, and XYZ? So it's just really interesting. I would wonder where that all stemmed from. Yeah, and I, I'm curious to see if she became a funeral director first and then was like, oh, I can start doing this, or like which or came the, first. Yeah, which because it seems like a lot. I don't know how much like training and everything for to be a mortician but I would think it would be a good amount of yeah school but I mean training. if you are so in depth I mean we've covered cases of people that are so encompassed by religion they will do whatever means to practice and seek out those opportunities that's so true. I wouldn't be shocked if she got involved with this completely just dropped everything transitioned careers just to have access to things like this that is very true Paula Green Albritton and her son, Jimmy Clark, who she had named as her helper, were both charged with a second-degree felony, ritual abuse of a corpse. 
Jimmy pled no contest and was sentenced to a year in prison. Paula, however, pled not guilty, but was found guilty by a jury in 1999. She was sentenced to less than a year in prison. In 2005, Paula, already out of prison, appealed the court's guilty verdict and won. The appeal claim stated that her confession was given under false pretenses and she was told by an officer that she couldn't be prosecuted if what she did was because of a religious ritual. After the second court of appeal reviewed her claims, they found they were valid and that her taped confession could not be used against her. This forced the prosecutors to overturn her original conviction as they really only had her confession as evidence. Paula also stated that she only told police that she committed the rituals to protect her son. Jimmy actually agreed with his mother and stated that he alone committed the rituals and curses because he was struggling with a mental illness and the voices in his head told him to. Okay, so I'm really turned off by this. I think, one, the system definitely got it wrong here. I see, like, now full circle how this is a crime, not a crime. But you destroyed a man's deceased body and think that that's okay. This is why things like this continue to happen because people are not held accountable. Like, to me, that's ridiculous. This is not what this religion stands for. They don't go around cutting random people's hands off and doing things like that. So your claim under a religious practice is false. It's like when people say, God told me to do that, (laughs) you're still going to be charged with murder, even though you believe that that's your religion. Yeah, exactly. That is a perverted mind state, and I, like, cannot get over that. On the other hand, though, other than... I absolutely agree you cannot be cutting off people's hands or anything like that. But, like, throwing it in the river, no. That is, like, (laughs) biohazard. We're going to get the black plague from that. Like, you can't do that. But at the same time, it's like, but they are dead. So, like, you're not technically harming anybody. You can also be charged in a normal state with or without religion behind it for damaging or doing additional damage to a deceased corpse so to me it's like that is a crime you don't do that it's it's one of those things that just as human beings you shouldn't be doing (laughs) yeah no I, I I definitely agree with that at the core of it it's like yeah for me do whatever you want with my dead body because I'm dead like who cares but I know not everybody thinks that and especially when you join in all of the other religious practices like people have so many different things when it comes to being buried being cremated with organs without organs like all of that stuff so I do understand it but also at the same time it's like I mean it just goes to play it's like people have been charged for cremation and like falsely giving back wrong ashes and things like that Mm -hmm. so it's like okay, I can cut off someone's hand, put it in water, and not be charged because that's technically not a crime. But where do you draw the line then? Because it's like, okay, this person's dead, it doesn't matter. But no, at the end of the day, you should still be held responsible for doing anything to that just based on religious practices and, I don't know, just being a decent human being. Like, that's not okay. (laughs) Not cursing everybody. (laughs) so, like, you need to draw the line somewhere and outside of a normal autopsy and being able to be buried the way you consented or your family consents to you being yeah you're buried that's that's it like none of the other stuff should be accepted and you should be put in jail if you 
go against the wishes that were initially met. Yeah, no, it's definitely a crime, and I believe it's a crime in all 50 states. I am a little concerned about it being a felony. I don't know if you caught that, but, like, do you think it should be a felony offense? I think so. You do? Yeah. They can never vote again. They can never... Yeah, I like, if you're doing that to... To deceased people, like you need to be eliminated. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> there's there's certain things you cannot come back from, and like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, I mean, in this case, obviously, if if voodoo and she obviously took it too far, there's nothing in the religious of voodoo that's like actually telling her to cut off people's hands and like throw it in the river. But I also think this wasn't like too harsh because she actually believed it. Yes, it was wrong, but I'm like a felony. No, I I disagree. I mean, as soon as, if you start to be set in that practice, like these people would then go out and start killing actual people. You need to be held like, oh yeah. Like, I mean, if you look at any of our other stories that we've talked about religious practice, they get so ingrained in these behaviors that if you're not held accountable for your actions and realize like that's wrong, no and like I mean even outside if this wasn't a religious case I mean it's a stepping stone to doing more destructive things to people who are then alive it's kind of just like killing animals destroying corpses what's saying that's not going to escalate you to the next step of harming a living person so no yeah, I that's true. it's kind of a stepping stone it's like it's like the gateway drug I guess you could say so absolutely not. Like then, do you think only a year was enough? No, I think they should have been really? held longer than that. What do you think about Jimmy, though? Do you think Jimmy was solely responsible? Do you think it was a duel? Do you think no? It was I her? think it was a duel. I think. Well, I don't know. I feel like the son could be more protecting the mom. I think the roles could have been more reversed. I definitely mm-hmm. think she had a hand in play. I do not think he did it by himself. Whether or not he was in on it. I could question about, but I don't think he was the sole person doing it, especially the way she originally lied about it and then tried to like just take the blame all herself. And then now all of a sudden you're protecting your son. Like, mm-hmm. nope, that's too many lines that you've already crossed as the as lying. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't. Well, and I think, think the so. chances of Jimmy cursing her ex husband is very low. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it's like. Mm-hmm. I get it. Like maybe he, maybe there could have been some history here, but yeah. that's probably more like that's that personal. Would, yeah, yeah, <laughs> come I from agree. straight from the source. Now Paula did end up selling the family funeral home, most likely due to all the bad press, and is no longer licensed as a funeral director in the state of Florida. I couldn't find much else on her after that, though, because I was curious to see if she had sued the state for her time spent in prison, because technically, right, she was charged with a the crime. They overturned it. So she basically got away with it. Mm -hmm. So she did spend time in prison. I was curious to see if she had sued for that. But I couldn't find out. But it seems like she has been keeping a low profile since the ordeal. Along with that unanswered question, it makes me wonder about the sentencing itself. I do think less than a year was fair in my opinion. Because of the fact that yes, they did no technical harm to anybody, but I do also see your side now of, like, it could have escalated and they should be charged and basically rehabilitated from that kind of thinking. But I don't know. I don't think it should have been a felony. 
We definitely cannot have people cutting up remains and throwing them in bodies of water for sanitary reasons, but Willie was already deceased, so I mean, does he really need his hand? Is it causing any harm to put cloth dolls inside of his remains? I already know what you think, but... Like, I don't care what your religious beliefs are for you to be doing this to random people. Like That's true. What if he was supposed to be, in his belief and practices, buried as whole, and without that, he then, his soul would not be connected with the night? You know, you never know yeah. what people, especially if you don't know them, last wishes are. And I mean, I'm sorry, at no point is this excusable. They should have been in jail. They definitely should have seeked some mental health rehabilitation. A year was not long enough. I definitely agree with the felony because like, I, I, I'm just like, no, this is inexcusable. <laughs> I mean, I guess in their minds, though, like, it was an easy transition going, playing devil's advocate here. Like, they do a practice of the person deceased is over six foot tall. They do cut off their feet and, like, place them beside them in the casket. So, like, they already are, like, cutting people up. So, I don't, it's not like they were just sticking a needle and bombing them. You know, like, they do have, like, scalpels and like they do cut up the body yeah but that's for people to figure out what was going on with them and like do your internal the embalming and things like that what oh definitely misused for sure we're talking about someone whether or not this funeral director position came first or not first this job could have been a opportunity for her to seek these crimes out Mm -hmm. so if knowing that history would definitely kind of really solidify my mindset on how extensive her punishment should be because if you're seeking out this position to do this like you know at some sort of position in your soul that this is not right yeah so to me max like that's felony (laughs) maximum i mean if it kind of she was there and then fell into the practice and it kind of all just like worked if you were going to be a funeral director regardless and then just develop these behaviors again you were doing the right things and then started doing the wrong things so that's just proven that you're going to escalate things further. Because once yeah. you know how to do things correctly and you're doing them the wrong way, you know that that's wrong. Yeah. You, whether you subconsciously or consciously or know, you know. So, I, I mean, it's just one of those things. It's like the setup of how she got there could tweak a little bit. I think it's definitely more of an escalation if you source this job out to do these things. Yeah, I am curious But it also shows a degree of escalation of if you already had this job, you were doing things, quote-unquote, the right way, and then transition and veered off course. I don't think that's as severe, but it still needs to be corrected and rectified in my mind. So if the justice system works perfectly every time, which we know it doesn't, but say... They're charged, she goes to jail for, say it's five years instead. She is rehabilitated. You still agree with the felony charge that, like, she, once she gets out after that one to five years, she pretty much is screwed, you know, with a felony. Yeah, I mean, to me, it will really depend on how she got to that point on whether... If this was premeditated and you seek this position out, I mean, I don't care. You're a felon. (laughs) Period. (laughs) But if it was kind of developed through a religious belief and all of these things, I I, I don't know. That's where I'm a little iffy. But to me, I definitely think they missed the mark. This is like 
a slap on the wrist for less than a year. Like, and then it got overturned. Like, I'm sure she's probably just going out doing the same thing somewhere else. She may not be able to practice in Florida, but she can practice yeah, in Texas. Yeah, we don't know yeah. exactly what she's um, doing. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I definitely think it was appropriate to ban her license. I think she shouldn't have been able to practice, period, end of story, like, across all 50 states. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, over the world. If <laughs> we could make that policy. <laughs> like, avoid her being in that situation ever again. Yeah. But... Well, and the core of it, again, is just, like, religion taken out of context and But we manipulated. do know, after other cases, that that is the most dangerous mindset you can ever be in. Yeah, that's so very true. I just see, like, I'm like, oh, this isn't that bad because, like, I'm writing about people, like, dismembering people alive and stuff. You know, like, I'm used to, like, hearing I mean, that. When I'm you like, put this it, isn't that When you bad. put it together in other contexts, like, of course, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's still a victim here. He should, nobody should be messing with someone else's body. Yeah, out of respect story. and whoever paid for his embalming and funeral, like they didn't pay for that to happen, which I hear can be expensive, just like the funeral And in also, general. I don't want your perverted ritual practices on my body yeah, dead on or that, alive. <laughs> that bad juju. <laughs> I don't want your voodoo dolls. I don't want your fake religion. encompassing on my resting soul i'm so sorry (laughs) get out of here so moral of the story everybody get cremated and no one can do these (laughs) voodoo rituals on you no one can take advantage i'm just kidding but let us know what y'all think i'm interested to hear your opinions on whether you think abuse of a corpse should be considered a felony or even a crime at all because some people do that think that it shouldn't be a crime whatsoever i do think it should be a crime, but I think there's a little bit of wiggle room that we can play with there. But some people do think, well, if they're dead, they're dead. No harm done. But with that, that'll conclude today's episode. Let us know your thoughts on Instagram and Facebook at Stories. And while you're there, don't forget to follow us if you haven't already. If you have a case suggestion, please reach out through our website at LawGhostStories.com. All of today's source material will be linked in the description box below. We'll be back with a new episode next week with another bonus episode. But until then, stay safe out there. It's a weird world. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for allowing us to use his sound, Nightmare, for our theme music.